The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. I take full responsibility for everything this government has been doing in tackling coronavirus, and I'm very proud of our record. Tens of thousands of our citizens have died avoidably. These were unnecessary deaths because of systematic government misconduct. With good British common sense, we will continue to defeat this virus and take this country forward. There are a lot of green shoots of opportunity on the horizon. You know, we've been held down on the forest floor for far too long, and we will reach that canopy again. Good afternoon. You're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Roger Hearing. And I'm Caroline Hepker. Welcome to the programme. So we have a trade special for you this Friday. Yeah, we're going to take a special look at the issue as the UK signed its first post-Brexit trade deal with a major economy, Japan. But the Japanese agreement largely preserves the terms, in fact, under which the UK traded with Tokyo as it was part of the EU. Well, earlier, the Trade Minister, Greg Han, spoke to Bloomberg's Anna Edwards, who asked him about the benefits of the deal. We've locked in all of the gains from the EU-Japan deal, but we've gone further uh, in crucial areas like financial services. So financial services firms looking to operate in Japan will find it easier to get a licence. It's good news for fintech firms because we've removed unnecessary data localization rules. Uh, And it's good news for business travelers. It's now easier to travel to and from Japan as business travelers. So you and I can work out that will affect a lot of of firms in a very positive way, particularly in financial services, uh, particularly in professional business services. There's also gains in agriculture and food and drink as well. So it's a very good deal for the UK. It's our first uh, free trade agreement uh, as an independent trading country in more than 45 years. And it's a, it's a very good thing. Liz Truss is in Tokyo at the moment, uh, having signed the deal this morning. In terms of the uh, Brexit negotiations, UK companies trading with the EU are going to be facing uh, some, some, uh, some changes, aren't they? Whether that's customs declarations, rules of origin documents, animal health certification. Is the government going to compensate businesses for the higher costs at all? Well, look, uh, we're focused at the moment on making sure that businesses are ready. Uh, You're right that uh, even with a trade deal with the European Union, which we're working to get, uh, there will be changes on the 1st of January. The UK is leaving the customs union, it's leaving the single market. Uh, There will be changes. At the moment, we're focusing on making sure that businesses are ready uh, for those changes that kick in on the 1st of January. That's the most important thing. So that was the Trade Minister Greg Hands there speaking to Bloomberg's Anna Edwards just this morning. And so this UK-Japanese trade deal comes as, of course, the clock ticks down on efforts to reach an agreement with Brussels by the end of the year, uh, which uh, Anna and Greg were also talking about. Trade talks between the UK and the EU will continue today after the EU's chief negotiator, Michel Barnier, arrived in London yesterday. I just think that it's very important to be back at the table. Every day counts. And we have a huge, huge common responsibility. So uh, that was uh, the EU's chief negotiator, Michel Barnier.
So Brussels said both sides need to compromise on trade issues while Number 10 acknowledged significant gaps remain between the two sides. Well, for more on the whole Brexit, post-Brexit trade picture, the landscape that's there, uh, obviously shaped to some extent by the pandemic for Britain to go into after a post-Brexit trade deal, we've been joined by Bloomberg's trade czar, Brendan Murray, and our very own Brexit editor, Ed Evans. Well, Ed, let me start with you. To what extent do you think that landscape is going to be shaped for Britain by the kind of deal it gets with Brussels? Because I guess that makes it... uh, a baseline, really, from which to work. Yes, it's also the, you know, the biggest and close single and closest trade partner of the UK, uh, and it's the one which, with the UK, is probably the most deeply integrated right now. So the, 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 the EU trade deal is absolutely crucial to the UK. And this week, I think it took a step forward. Um, obviously, you know, this time last week, Johnson had walked away from the talks. And what we saw over the course of three or four days of intensive behind-the-scenes diplomacy was the EU gives some concessions on process. Now, those, it is just concessions on process. You know, the big substantive disagreements over state aid and fisheries remain and still need to be overcome. But the two are linked. If you can actually get people around a table to talk about state aid for the first time and to actually put down on paper the deal that they're working towards, that is progress. And I think both sides, the negotiators for both sides want to get a deal. And this week, I think, got the political buy-in from their, their bosses that they can go ahead and negotiate a deal. They haven't got much time. It's only three weeks to get a deal in time for the end of the transition period. So it's going to go down to the absolute wire. Hmm. So it will go down to the wire when it comes to Brexit. Well, let's bring in Bloomberg's trade czar, Brendan Murray, uh, with us this morning. So, look, um, Roger mentioned the kind of broad trade landscape. Ed talked about the importance of the Brexit trade deal. How significant, then, is this Japanese trade deal for, for the UK? The country is a long way away. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, symbolically, it, 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 it goes uh, some way to, you know, to prove that the UK can do a deal uh, with a major economy. But let's be let's be honest, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a small it's a small trading partner for the UK, something like two percent of UK exports go to Japan. And and the, and the economic boost is estimated to be something like less than one tenth of a, of a percentage point. So. Uh, yeah, on, on its surface, uh, and we'll have to, the devils are in the details on, on, on these things uh, in terms of what the U.K. would have given up in, in, in their deal with, with the Japanese. But, uh, you know, it's uh, ultimately, you know, the, the, big, the big deals uh, are still ahead of them with significant challenges, uh, you know, the deals with the, with the EU and the U.S. Well, Brendan, I mean, let's widen it out. What else is there in the landscape? You mentioned briefly there the US. We'll talk about that. But more widely, are there places where the UK can go and expect a friendly reception? Well, it, it, you know, these are uh, these trade deals kind of build on each other, and every country, the next country that you go to, wants you know wants the the you know the the concessions that you that you made previous deal, uh, the, uh, the country that you made the previous deal with. So they kind of, they're all kind of connected. And so, uh, you know, uh, you know, putting the Japanese one together now in, in the right direction, uh, you know, but as I said, the, you know, the, the real, uh, the real economic impact comes, uh, you know, with the EU and the U.S. deal, uh, you know, so it's, it, it, it's still, as Ed, I think, pointed out, uh, you know, there's still uh, some significant hurdles to go uh, and, and a short time to get there. Mm. So then, Ed, on that point, um, 
what what do you think is the precedent that will be set then by this Brexit trade deal? Because um, even if there is an agreement, um, the, the terms are very uh, kind of narrow. They largely involve um, trade of goods rather than services. So is that going to be quite a critical precedent, especially when we think about doing a deal with the United States? I, I think in terms of the EU deal, um, Japan doesn't set a, I mean, Brendan may disagree on this, but doesn't set a, a, a particularly strong precedent. I think the talks with the EU were, were, had begun for, before the talks with Japan. They're two quite different markets, as Brendan points out, in terms of size and in terms of what's been, you know, the, the, the level of integration between the two. Um, you know, the, e, the UK has been part of the EU single market for, for mm. a generation. It is deeply intertwined with that market. Um, and it's a very, you know, we're going from a relate. You know, we are trying to get a deal uh, that preserves trading goods. Don't forget, financial services are left out of that at least at the beginning, uh, at least the first stage. You know, this is they're, they're not that they're not the two same things. I think. Ed, one interesting line in all this is that uh, part of the reason, or at least the subtext perhaps, behind the whole Brexit movement was a bit of freedom perhaps in terms of Britain's ability to do deals with nations which perhaps had we remained within the EU might have been uh, constricted by, in some cases, ethical concerns about whether or not trade should be done. I've certainly heard Conservative MPs say, hang on, we should simply move trade out of that whole area altogether. Do you think that is part of what's going on here and perhaps on things I suppose most naturally of China, there might be a more open field just because the EU isn't isn't controlling it anymore? Well, I, I, on China, you know, there, there are very big questions. I think you know, the EU has obviously, the UK for you know, 40 years has basically outsourced its external trade policy to the EU. Uh, and with Brexit, it's bringing it back in um, to the UK. And with that comes the choice. Um, to make deals, uh, and that really does open up a deal with something like China, somebody like China, where there are ethical concerns, as you point out, um, within the Tory Party, that they will be debated in Parliament, and the government can expect to come under pressure on them. That's something that wasn't you know, that, that that political interaction just wasn't the case before Brexit. So it does it does change in that respect. Hmm. Brendan, I want to ask you, you know, brass tax, when we leave the EU, the trade deficit that the UK will have um, with the, the rest of um, its trading partners will grow enormously. Is there anything that is going to plug that hole, at least in the kind of short to medium term? What about the kind of US trade deal? Um, that's going to be a significant shock come January 1st. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, in 11, 10 or 11 days, we, you know, we have the U.S. election that's going to, you know, could potentially change, uh, you know, the whole dynamic between uh, Washington and, 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 and London. So there's a, uh, you know, there's a lot to, it's a lot to, to uh, you know, to consider, especially, you know, when you think of, uh, you know, a second term of Donald Trump, you know, you, you think of someone who, uh, you know, likes to, to do his own bilateral trade deals uh, the way uh, the Prime Minister Johnson does, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, President Biden might take, a, you know, right. a, a warmer look toward Brussels and, and uh, you know, and, and maybe take a, a tougher approach with the UK well. compared to the way Donald Trump would. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, 
influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. The City of London is an area that has most to lose, perhaps, and to gain in the new uh, face of the UK out in the world, shaped, of course, as we said, by the pandemic, but also a place where Britain hopes to do a lot of good business. The public face of the city, of course, is the Lord Mayor, and I'm very pleased to say joining us now is the Lord Mayor of London, William Russell. Welcome to the programme. Um, let me ask you, I mean, you've been on a virtual visit, quite a strange thing, I guess, in itself, to the US and Canada this week. What did you pick up in terms of the appetite there for a post-Brexit trade deal with the UK? So, I mean, I, I, yes, I just did four days of a, a North American virtual trip, and I took uh, nine to ten delegates with me. Uh, it, it was mostly around fintech and uh, and obviously that's a big area for us but and, and we were meeting with a great many of the uh, of the vcs uh in america toronto uh we went to various cities um and they're very upbeat about the investing in in the uk um you know i met capital g which is one of part of google ventures and then another one was tpg and they've invested on fido uh, but it's uh it, it's you know it's a, it's a very it was very positive uh, they see the ecosystem not changing. Uh, in fact, they think it's getting stronger and stronger. And there's a huge amount of capital out there uh, wanting to invest in in UK fintechs. And funny enough, um, some figures just came out uh, well uh, just the other day about uh, London is, is is top in the world for the number of deals secured uh, around fintech. Um, and we've done 167 mm -hmm. transactions in the first nine months of 2020 compared to 107 in San Francisco and 95 in New York. So. Mm -hmm. um, Look, it, it was a very positive, uh, positive trip. Okay. Although how, virtual, of course. Yes, virtual. Um, look, how I'm sure they were also very preoccupied with um, the US presidential election, um, mm. no doubt. How do you think that that picture will actually change, though, in terms of um, bilateral investments and cooperation between businesses, um, if there is a change in the White House, a, a Biden presidency, obviously not aligned with... Um, you know, the Johnson government, obviously that would be a, a left-leaning and, and Johnson is right-leaning. Um, well, to be frank, uh, uh, the, the, the politics didn't come up. Uh, they may be preoccupied, but uh, every single one of the VCs was much more uh, interested in the investment opportunities here in the UK. And I'm, I, I don't think it will change that much. Certainly that, that's the view we got uh, from them, that uh, they see the UK as, uh, as a good place to invest. Uh, and uh, and I don't think that would change whoever wins the presidential election. Did, were they concerned at all? Did they even mention Brexit and uh, Do you know about what? the deal? I've got to be totally honest. Mm. Not Brexit, not not mentioned once. Not mentioned once. And I think this is wh where I come from. Uh, you know, uh, you, you know, as far as London and its ecosystem, yeah. and you we are the fintech centre of the world, that London and the UK. We're now the green finance centre of the world. And to be frank. Uh, that's how they see us. And, and I genuinely don't think that will change. Look, uh, in 2016, uh, EY came out with a piece of research saying we'd lose 85,000 jobs in the square mile because of, uh, because of Brexit. Well, you know that we've lost less than 10,000 jobs. Uh, mm -hmm. And actually, we've gained jobs since 2016 in the square mile. A lot of that's been around, uh, around the fintech sector. So 
Um, I think sometimes it's best to look forward, not back. And uh, mm. everyone is pretty optimistic, including myself. Well, having said that, I mean, looking forwards, of course, the government is is meant to be debating this idea of limiting uh, foreign ownership um, of businesses in the UK, or at least having the ability to retroactively unpick deals if they are against the national interest. Um, You know, that could certainly bring a kind of new level of oversight by the government, even if it doesn't specifically apply perhaps to US businesses. It's certainly quite a new tack in terms of doing deals. Yeah, I, I, look, there are going to be certain sectors that the government will look at, I'm, and as you know, I'm, I'm, I will see what they come up with. But we, you know, I, I still believe, and you've seen today, uh, um, a, a, a Lone Star are looking at a, a, I think it's McCarthy and Stone. I mean, there's some great assets here, and, and there may be different views in different sectors and uh, around security, etc. But, mm. but I think uh, we know what I say about the City of London is we're free, open trading uh, business centre. And uh, that will continue. Let me ask you about the wider consideration, apart from just the US. Obviously, there's a huge world out there that the government would very much like us all to be out uh, building trade deals with. Uh, But there are issues because, uh, as various people have pointed out, one of the big trade deals could be perhaps with China. But that doesn't seem very likely at the moment because our relationship with China, partly for ethical reasons, partly for political reasons, is a little strained. How far should ethics dictate who we trade with? Well, I mean, a lot of the time that's for, for individual companies and, and governments to, to, to decide upon, not for me to, to necessarily say anything about that. But I come back to the point that uh, we are a free uh, a trading marketplace, uh, not dissimilar to our friends across the uh, Atlantic in America. And uh, I'm sure you ha- you've noticed how many deals have been done uh, in the last six months in financial mm-hmm. services in China by U.S. firms, uh, despite the rhetoric coming out of the White House. Uh, mm. We can go through them, whether it's J.P. Morgan, BlackRock, Vanguard, Fidelity, all looking at deals. So uh, I think that, uh, you know, those, uh, as the city's concerned and financial services, the opportunity in China is enormous. Uh, and it's up to the individual uh, companies and countries to decide on, uh, on the ethics side. Mm, OK. Um, given your standing, your reach, you must have a personal view on this idea. I mean, China, um, our relationship there and our relationship with many countries around the world is is now in question and sort of up for grabs as we move into this completely new era. Well, I mean, it's a new era. I mean, I, 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 as, you, as you said at the beginning, I'm, I'm uh, you know, uh, the, the, the face for financial professional services for the UK that employs 2.3 million people. And I'm doing my bit to to represent them and uh, and help on trade deals. And look, I mean, we just had some great news today from Japan uh, with a with a FTA agreement, and that covers uh, a, a huge amount around data provision, financial services. And uh, I'm sure you knew this, but 28 percent of all uh, our UK exports to Japan are in financial services. So, as far as we're concerned, at the city, there is another uh, a positive trade deal, and hopefully more to come. But I try to press you on this, William, but I think it is important. I mean, you as, are, as you say, the public face of the City of London. The City of London does thrive on its reputation for honesty, due diligence, and also for not, for not being uh, necessarily uh, averse to looking at the records of the countries uh, with which people trade. Surely you must feel that there is a position to take in terms of ethics when it comes to deals. You wouldn't be happy, I imagine, uh, dealing with companies or indeed countries that, for example, are homophobic, racist, sexist. I mean, the list could go on. 
As I said, I mean, I'm the representative. It's up to individual companies and, and, and when you're referring to countries to make their decisions on that. Um, and uh, that's, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it mm. at that. Um, how much then do you, uh, I mean, I know that the government is, is interested in sort of championing the um, free trade deal with Japan, but, but let's be realistic, this is not going to move the needle when it comes to UK growth. And even though it has perhaps will benefit a couple of fintech companies, um, this kind of deal is, is more about uh, the kind of visible politics than it is about the economics. Well, I mean, uh, as I said, I'm a a member of the Board of Trade. We aren't involved in the EU deal. We all know Mm. that uh, the EU deal is the the largest of of the deals, and and they're talking at the moment. But on on the other other countries, um, you know, I think Japan is is, is a great start. Uh, Mm -hmm. um, Hopefully we'll have Australia, New Zealand, other other nations to follow. And, uh, and, um, you know, we're keen for a deal with with the EU too, and that is something which, um, from our perspective, and I, as you know, I work very closely with the Chairman of Policy, Catherine McGuinness, uh, and uh, and she, we both agree that uh, we do want a, a financial services deal with the EU. So uh, fingers crossed that something comes of that. Um, uh, and if we don't have a deal, uh, that's not good. But uh, many of the business in the Square Mile are, are, are ready and prepared. Uh, and coming back to my initial comments. You know, I'm still optimistic, even if that happens, because we have this incredible ecosystem full of huge amounts of talent. Uh, and, and London is a great place to live, a cultural uh, and the arts and everything you know that is here uh, mm-hmm. only helps us uh, uh, attract that talent. What about doing moving away from big uh free trade deals uh, uh, headline grabbers in a way to perhaps more individual arrangements to do with issues like passporting but ways of uh, the financial services in particular can can go through and make sure they can work even if these massive trade deals don't exist is that a good way forward i mean it, it, it may be i mean it, it's something that that you know we're we're, we're uh, from the city's perspective we're, we're very innovative very flexible and we'll look at, uh, at, at things that work best for financial services. So, um, so look, I, 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 we're open to, to many different um, ideas in, the, in, in that area. Uh, given um, the challenges of the pandemic, obviously, um, the government is under a great deal of pressure right now. How much are they listening to um, what the City of London is, is saying? How open are the lines of communication, really? OK, um, well, I'll give you an example. The lines are open. Um, and they are listening. Uh, and one of the things I've been working on uh, with with uh, an, a number of people is um, how we can get more uh, listings on the London Stock Exchange rather than going to NASDAQ or, or to the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, and government's listening and, and, and Treasury's listening. And we're, we're hoping that, you know, there's some great companies potentially in the next 12 to 18 months that could list here, um, you know, whether, uh, and delivery, whatever. I mean, there are others. Uh, that could list here as well. Uh, and, you know, there's a really good pipeline. But what we need to do is is work on how we can keep those companies listed here. And, and one of the other things we're working on government, which I feel really strongly about, and I'm sure you know this, but, um, you know, our pension funds uh, can mm-hmm. only, uh, it, it's only 5% of all the pension, pension funds can invest in sort of private equity investments. And that's something where we need to look at that growth capital uh, which, to be frank, um, having just done this this North American virtual trip, uh, that growth capital is taken up by uh, by our friends in America.
Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.